Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. And now, for some reason, Billie Eilish singing the theme song from Friends. There you go, the emo version. It's a darker It works. Yeah, absolutely. It works musically. You know, that, that's good, Michael. That That's really interesting because those, those lyrics are downer lyrics to an up-tempo fun tune where we all clap. Sure. Right. But she puts it in that uh, context, and that, that, that makes perfectly good sense. She's not cavorting in a fountain in this version. Oh. Of course, in this one, Ross is like a cannibal or something. <laughs> <laughs> They go ahead and show Chandler abusing drugs. Yeah. Um, yeah Chandler, oh, he, his real-life heroin addiction shows up on the show. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, the whole uh, purring woman-child-sex-kitten approach to singing, uh, I find it creepy. And I'm looking at you, Brittany. <laughs> you started it. Um, or Eartha Kitt probably started it. But it, it made me uncomfortable. The whole goth emo thing, I I wonder if I got a kid that's going to go through a period of that where it just... I'm just probably. Probably. Yeah. I uh, saw an old family photo where one of my kids was absolutely down that road. It comes, it goes. And yeah, I, oh yeah. One of the good things of being my age is I realize these kind of things come and go. Yeah, you got you to gotta try it on for size. Figure out who you are. Yeah, I get it. I absolutely get it. Um, I had one thing. Oh, good news. Good news, they are going to allow cameras and audio from the Jesse Smollett trial. Oh, yes. Because I think this is going to be damned oh, entertaining. Yes, please. God, I really don't. I don't know what sort of charges he's facing or like what kind of time he's facing. I can't believe he's not telling his lawyers, settle, settle. Don't bring this. Don't let this go to trial. Don't let the world hear in great detail my moronic embarrassingly stupid plan. I think he's counting on, A, he'll get a friendly black jury that doesn't care the facts of the case because he'll cry racism and they'll buy it, and and B, that most of his people, by which I mean his would-be fans and that sort of thing, they're never going to hear the rough part of the trial. They won't have it on oh. CNN. They won't air it on MSNBC. This is going to be so hilarious. If you don't remember him, he's an actor who I didn't know who claimed he was attacked in the middle of the night by some MAGA hat-wearing Trump fans. Yes, white guys, 3 a.m., Chicago, it's like 20 below zero. Had a rope and some bleach, and the term lynching got thrown around a lot. Yeah, yeah by Kamala Harris. It turns out he hired a couple of dudes to kind of kick him around a little, and there's receipts for them buying the rope and the bleach like an hour earlier at Home Depot. On camera. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Jimmy. It's time to go out and do our racist patrol. 
Uh, Clem, it's uh, it's 3 a.m. It's 30 degrees below zero. It's a heavily black neighborhood of Chicago. You think we ought to be ooching around in our MAGA hats and everything? I tell you what, the racism isn't going to do itself. we got to get out there and do it. Said nobody ever. Yeah. Juicy sommelier, as one of our emailers put it. <laughs> so the great resignation is going on. We've had several months in a row where astounding numbers of people have quit their jobs. Mostly, I guess it's believed that they're finding better jobs mm, because of the tight labor market. That's part of it. I don't think that's the main part. You know, what's the main part? The main part is that so much of life is just inertia. You're on a track. You're doing a thing. You're afraid to disrupt it because you're not sure what will happen. And and so you just don't. You stay on that track. You keep working for that company. And because of the vid and the remote work are getting laid off or, or government money rolling in or whatever, a number of people have had their inertia halted. And they've, they've thought, you know what? I'm going to reconsider this whole deal. So they uh, looked at some Gallup polls and talked to some experts and figured out what is the number one thing that will keep people around at their job. And that is... Big old candy dish. Free m and M Candy dish oh, with, yeah. like, Jolly Ranchers in it or suckers. And everybody sticks their sweaty, grimy hands oh, into the oh, M&M please don't. pile and picks out a couple. There. Now, it's having a best friend at work. Ah. Yeah. Having a best friend at work, you're more as twice as likely to be engaged in your workplace compared to uh, people who don't have a best friend. So it's 60-30 on that. 6329 actually. Um and they talk in here about how Zoom has made that damn near impossible. So if one of the things that keeps you happy at work whether you recognize it or not is working with some people you like seeing every day. Mm-hmm. Um and now you don't see them anymore and it's just the job. I can see how this I can see how it would be that way. Yeah, you know, I was reading a piece, it was, uh, I think it was the New York Times, but they were talking about how incredibly difficult this whole thing has been for young people getting into the professional world. And they never exchange the casual conversations, the what'd you do this weekend, the, and, and often that comfort leads to, to be able to just ask your boss a question, your supervisor, a quick, the informal question that's so much more formal and public on like a Zoom meeting. Mm, yeah, no and, doubt. And how, so there's the social thing that's missing. There's the, you know, the quick, hey, if you have a second, what about thing that's become much more uh, difficult for young professionals? And my daughter's in this position, and it's just, it's it's rough for them. I feel for them. And it's one of the reasons I'm really rooting for everybody to just decide, look, the COVID's going to be around. Protect yourself the way you think is fit. Let's get back to work. I'm having a sip of coffee. I have Good more man. thoughts Sorry, on this. But. You know, I should have get back to work and do what you do best. The business of America is business. Let's all come together lest we fall apart. Back to Jack, who's done with his coffee. <laughs> um, I left you hanging. I'm a, uh, an introvert. I was going to say Luddite. That's a person who hates technology. An introvert. Um, well, you're both, but... Misanthrope. Yes. And I miss the number of people, not individual people, really, but 
just the vibe of the people being around. I miss it in it for a year and a half now. It's the few people that are on the air and the radio station are here and nobody else. There's like a hundred people missing. Yeah. And I miss it. It's not as, I don't know if fun's the right word, but probably is the right word. It just, there's an energy or something mm. missing that I notice every single day. I come here, I do this job, and then I just kind of walk out to my car and I think, well, I guess that's in the, in the end of another day at work. <laughs> it's just weird. Um, well, and, uh, and I'm coming in. If you're, if you're doing Zoom only, I can't imagine how weird that feels. Well, the, the hustle and bustle of the parking lot, even running yeah. the people in the yeah. elevator, all that's, uh, you right. know, to a large extent gone. It's just so weird. Yeah. And if, and, and if you start at a new job this way, I just can't imagine how you have any feeling of attachment whatsoever. Right. Right. So the number one thing to end the great resignation, according to experts, like if you're a boss or something and you're trying to figure out how to keep people from quitting, figure out a way to make people interact, whether it's bring them back into the workplace or maybe have Zoom meetings where there's no business to be done. You're just all there. That's the trouble with Zoom, though. I notice all yeah. the time there only one person gets to talk at a time. Yeah. So if you had 30 people on the screen, the pushiest, loudest people dominate all the conversation before the meeting starts. In a normal conference room, you're talking to your friend next to you because you sat next to each other on purpose. Mm-hmm. And you're, up until the meeting starts, you're kind of talking amongst yourself. Can you believe blah, blah, blah? Yeah. Can you believe the Lakers lost to the Kings over the weekend or whatever you're talking about? Yeah. But on the Zoom yeah. meeting, the one loud person gets to dominate all the talk up until the meeting starts. And you, nobody talks to anybody. You know, I would say just to flip it on its head, and a lot of you uh, astute people have already picked up on this, but if you are a supervisor, you're a team leader, you're a boss or whatever, understand that your new people are really uncomfortable oh, yeah. asking you anything or saying anything. They don't feel like they know you. They don't feel like they have any status. They're they're much less sure of themselves than you're probably imagining. I can, I'm trying to, I'm just picturing, though, the way the regular boss is going to handle this. So you're all going to be on the Zoom meeting. They're gonna, we're going to go around and everybody's going going to get to share a little bit about themselves. Jenny, tell us about yourself so we can get to know you, which is going to end up being worse than if you had not done it at all, <laughs> as opposed to like actually bonding with somebody that's your age or like you, or you notice them listening to music you like or whatever it is. Right, right, right. There, there are no laughing together, you know? I can't imagine. I think about my young years working, and I was at radio stations, but God, we had so much fun. And mm-hmm. if none of that had occurred, oh my God, I would have missed out on some of the best times of my life if those couple of years had been carved out of just, nope. Your classes are online. Your job's online. Oof. Feel sorry for the young people. I'm old Oof, and bitter. Indeed. It doesn't make any difference to us. We're old and bitter. Well, and it's especially embittering because the young people are going to be 99.999% of them going to be perfectly fine even if they get a case of the Chinese bad fever. I'm a nihilist. I got nothing going for me. But the young people that still have that spark of hope in their eyes. A Luddite misanthrope nihilist. (laughs) What a charming fellow. (laughs) (laughs) Eh, boy. Now, kids, I tell you what, you just, unless you're some completely paranoid lefty college student indoctrinated by your Marxist professor's cuckoo bird, venture out into the world. My, my, my kid, I shouldn't talk about my specific kids, um, but one of them lives in a very blue part of America. And has just kind of seeped up the, the culture of being crazy COVID careful. 
Plus, she has some friends who are immune compromised. So it's, you know, it's a little more of a thing. But um, and I just I worry because youngsters, you're going to be fine. You've got practically nothing to fear from the vid. Well, OK, that overstates it. You have very little to fear. Maybe you're a long hauler. Maybe you get the, the mental fuzz for a while. But, you know, and, and I came up with this this weekend. I should have T-shirts made or, or uh, motivational posters or something. Don't be so obsessed with not dying that you forget to live. Ooh, that's a good one. Thanks, brother. Thank you. That's a good one. Thank you. I'm Joe Getty. And there's like a hawk soaring over a lake or something. I hadn't thought about what animal, because you got to have an animal. I don't know. Hawk would be good. Wolf howling at the moon. I don't know. Kind of a cliche. <laughs> Both my kids have wolves howling at the moon t-shirts. They're, they're very popular. How about, how about this? How about a big elk with a big rack? It's a reference to its horns, not its breasts. Um, you know, like on a mountaintop staring into the distance. What do you think of that? <laughs> Maybe there's a wolf in the background. I don't know. Speaking of the vid. The only things you need to know about Omicron. Omicron? Omicron. There it is <laughs> Om- up there. Omicron sounds like some TV technology of the 1970s. Mm. Zenith TVs with Omicron. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We'll tell you everything you need to know about Omicron in the next segment, and it ain't much. Yeah, yeah, a lot of question marks. Almost entirely question yep. marks. It's the new scariant if you haven't heard about it. But anyway, so uh, this is not a lot of new stuff. But uh, Miranda Devine, who writes for the New York Post, is out with a, a new book with a terrible title. It's um, it's all about Hunter Biden's laptop, Tony Bobolinsky. Uh, Hunter Biden's business dealings, uh, including with the Chinese, notably with the Chinese uh, company, um, and and Joe Biden's involvement in it, and it synthesizes, it puts everything together, like a good reporter does to tell the story. It's unfortunately the book is entitled "Laptop from Hell," <laughs> which is not a good title. No, but man, when you see it all put together. It, it is utterly clear to me, unless unless you think Tony Bobolinsky, who he was on sixty minutes, wasn't he? When, what was that big interview series he did? That was that was or Tucker. was that Tucker? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Which you know, did, there's so many people dismiss Tucker. I wish it would have been on sixty minutes. I was going to say, unless you think Tony Bobolinsky is a lying crackpot, and he um, doesn't sound like one. Oh, no, no. He's a, a third-generation Navy veteran, which doesn't mean he can't be a crackpot, but, you know, he's the captain of his uh, Penn State wrestling team, top security clearances. He he uh, was a, one of the high-up people running the, na- the Navy's nuclear school. I mean, just everything about him smacks of, uh, of a straight arrow and a very, very smart guy. Um, and he was the guy who was supposed to be running the joint venture between this Chinese energy company and inexplicably international Chinese energy expert Hunter Biden. Hunter, and, you're a loser. <laughs> and it becomes clear, and this is all supported by all sorts of different stuff on the laptop, that, yeah, the old man was in for a 10% stake. 
His brother, um, Jim Biden, um, was the guy who made the comment to Bobolinsky about uh, we just have to have uh, plausible deniability, which is why you never get into specifics with the big guy. It's just 30,000 feet stuff. He has to meet you, Tony Bobolinsky, approve your involvement in the family business, but don't bring up specifics. And, and you know, I was reminded that the term uh, plausible deniability became fashionable when Kennedy's aides, specifically the CIA, would intentionally keep him in the dark. So if the overthrow of some, uh, you know, <laughs> democratically elected leader or whatever should come up, he would say, I was never briefed. I uh, uh, I had no idea. Um, and, and he was telling the truth. Uh, but, man, you put all this stuff together, the old man has absolutely got a stake in the family business, and the family business is is selling access and influence. Let me jam, in a, little, let me jam in a little more on this. <laughs> Jonathan Turley, law professor at George Washington University, who we like around here, had an article over the weekend. What elephant? The media again buries a Hunter Biden scandal on foreign deals during the Biden vice presidency. Jonathan Turley says, I previously wrote on the anniversary of the Hunter Biden laptop story that marveled at how the Bidens made the scandal vanish like Houdini's elephant in front of millions. In an encore, a new major story on Chinese dealings has surfaced and once again, poof. In this case, you know, all the stuff Joe just uh, went into in this book, but just how Jonathan Turley's talking about how the media just has no interest in this story. Just choosing to ignore it, even though shoe on the other foot, it would be an enormous story, and folks should be. Yeah. So this new variant, the few things you need to know about it, and it ain't much. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We do know that this is a variant that has a lot of mutations, like 50 of them, and more than 30 of those in the spike protein, which is the part of the virus that attaches to your human cells if you get infected. That is a new record in terms of the number of mutations. It does make you worry, therefore, that it's a sufficiently different virus that it might not respond as well to protection from the vaccines, but we don't know that. A lot of mites and we don't knows, which is accurate. That's Francis Collins, who's the top doctor or something with somebody um, who's on the TV all the time. <laughs> so here's what you need to know about the Fair Omicron. He's one of those doctors you see on the TV. <laughs> but not like Dr. Oz, a real doctor. <laughs> yeah, who has influence over government policy. So started in South Africa, they think we have, as of today, banned travel from eight different countries in Southern Africa. Japan has banned travel from any country. Third biggest economy in the world. Won't allow anybody coming from any country. And a whole bunch of other countries around Europe have uh, banned a lot of travel and stuff like that, too, around this Omicron. Um, Because, uh, as you just heard there, the makeup of the actual virus, it has the potential to be a bigger problem than Delta has been. It looks like it spreads faster. They don't know. Um, Could it make you sicker? Well, the doctor in South Africa said she's seeing unusually mild symptoms, but all those people were young and vaccinated, so I'm not sure that tells you anything. Right, that, that's not great evidence, but the trend or the tendency of viruses to evo- is to evolve to be less deadly. Because viruses want to spread, they don't want to kill their host, because soon the host is dead, they don't spread anymore. So So I I would love to see, it's crazy contagious and 
utterly safe. Right. No, oh, practically nobody's going to die of it. And, you know, the home run ball would be, and the vaccines recognize it anyway, so it's no problem. That's the third part. So there are three parts. How transmissible is it? How much does it, how easy is it to catch? Um, uh, how sick does it make you? And do the vaccines work? We don't know any of those things and won't for a couple of weeks. That's all you need to know. It'll be a couple of weeks before we know those things. Then we will know them and we can react accordingly. I do think you should know this, though. Because there's a fair amount of talk about South Africa and how unvaccinated they are and how unfair it is that the United States and other rich countries have all this vaccine. They got plenty of vaccine in South Africa. People just didn't take it. All right. Five of the eight countries that we have banned travel from today have sent back vaccine and told the companies to stop sending it to them because people just aren't getting the shot. People don't want it. People don't want it for whatever reason. Well, because of Trump. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I I don't know what the reason is, but. Right, just a hesitancy to get jabbed. So I guess. A, yeah. We'll know so, in a couple of weeks. Probably a final note on Thanksgiving. Uh, I gained two and a half pounds. Congratulations. Uh, last week or so. Yeah, I just, you know, it took everything I had. But, uh, oh, man, my self-control just went out the window. But anyway, um, uh, so I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Ours was a little lonely because our, our kids didn't come because they don't love us. Uh, also... <laughs> Because it's a very long, expensive, pain-in-the-butt journey, and we'll get together soon in a different time. And they probably had some fabulous Friendsgivings. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, probably. Um, But I came across this in the USA today. What is Thanksgiving to indigenous people? A day of mourning. Okay, the whole original Thanksgiving feast. How many people had that on their mind as they sat down to eat with their family? Well, How many of you think about that ever? So there was a big dinner 400 years ago. We didn't have Thanksgiving in the country until Abe Lincoln declared a day of Thanksgiving in the 1860s because the Civil War went the right way. Again, with apologies to the South, it went the right way. Um, So it's really, it dates from Joe apologizing to slaveholders. Well, not, not per se. If you're currently a slaveholder listening, stop it. Okay? Not cool. Anyway. Uh, so this USA, the USA Today is so woke now. I mean, it's just so annoying. But um, how do indigenous people spend Thanksgiving? For many, rather than a celebration of peace and shared prosperity between Native Americans and pilgrims, which is how nobody approaches it, by the way. Right. Thanksgiving represents the dark shadow of genocide and the resilience of Native <laughs> people. Aren't you fun? Yeah, unbelievable. And they quote various, <laughs> you know, people about that sort of thing, and just unbelievable. You want to read something interesting? I, I should have retweeted it. Uh, Tim Sandifer retweeted a review he wrote a couple of years ago about a book that's just out in paperback now, I believe, by a colleague of his. But it's about the state of Native Americans, um, you know, economically, socially, and that sort of thing. And they make the point that a lot of the things you think about Native American cultures, they had no private property. They weren't even familiar with the concept. Nobody owned land or blah, blah. A lot of that's bull S. It's like romantic era bull S that was enshrined in the law in the 1800s. And, and the, the laws on owning private property and getting mortgages and loans and that sort of thing within reservations is awful it is it is devastating to the uh, economic prospects of of native peoples and it's just dumb law too it's indefensible but it exists because certain people derive their power from it and it's just it's enshrined into like the american imagination that these are simple people with no private property and stuff all that's 
spunk, by the way. Um, and it's it's a great and really thought-provoking read. But anyway, I came across this. Rick Moran wrote it. We all know that history is not the left's favorite subject. Uh, many times just too inconvenient for their political narratives or history has to be erased or submerged to achieve the greater good, etc., etc. Um, in truth, it's not that much better on the right. Although generally conservative takes on American history is more nuanced. Christopher Columbus was an ass, a greedy, cruel, ambitious man who didn't let anyone stand in his way to achieve riches and power, especially native people. But he was courageous enough to cross an unknown ocean in a rickety ship with a mutinous crew. Do his sins outweigh the good he's done? It's not our call. Certainly not the call of biased, cretinous leftists who don't want to understand Columbus and only use his sins to illustrate their little morality play, etc., etc. Um, but he does talk about American history did not begin in 1492. There have been human beings residing in North America for at least 20,000 years and probably longer. But the people who crossed the Bering Sea land bridge from Asia to North America during the last Ice Age may not have been the first humans to arrive here. Recent DNA evidence shows there have been several different migrations to North America with Native American tribes being only the most recent and that leads to an inescapable conclusion they killed off the other people well essentially yeah the native americans who were present on the north american continent when europeans arrived were not the same native americans who arrived twenty thousand years ago dna evidence tracks the migration of one early american civilization the clovis people and reveals that they thrived in both north and south america until about 8500 years ago blah 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 they think some of the early 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 people to arrive on the north american continent were europeans But any hint that ancient Europeans settled in North America at about the same time as modern Native Americans cannot be countenance, cannot be admitted by either Native American tribes or white liberals. And the modern-ish Native Americans maybe wiped out those early Europeans because they had superior weapons and maybe diseases that the, the Europeans weren't immune to. It could have been in exactly the same sort of way. And for the record, is somebody keeping a record? Nobody's keeping a record. For the record, if the European people were there first, those are my people, Jack, as I am of European stock. If that were the case, it'd make no effing difference on any in any way on any question. It's utterly irrelevant. What, are you going to go back 40,000 years to figure out who owned Manhattan and then give it to them? Number one, they've been dead a hell of a long time. And number two, it doesn't matter. There isn't a square foot of earth that hasn't run through the ownership of 50 to 50,000 different civilizations in human history. But again, the idea that, and they go into some of the various uh, Kennewick man and blah, 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 might have been here earlier or about the same time. Nobody can admit that because it upsets the whole narrative of those people who were there first 20,000 years ago. Therefore, they're... Gener- they're, you know, 75 to 7,500. I can't do the math. I can't be troubled. Generations later, they're, they're the true owners of the land. According to what? According to whom? What species of animal on Earth looks at ownership that way? doesn't exist. North Korea has banned leather jackets. No, oh, no. After Kim Jong-un sparked a copycat craze. Apparently, he showed up to some big thing in a very cool-looking leather coat, and now that he's lost his weight, looking pretty sharp. Styling, Kim. Styling, anyway, buddy. A bunch of people decided they wanted to look like him. I thought that's the sort of thing that he encouraged in North Korea. Well, anyway, they've banned leather coats. 
Kim Jong, don't be like me. No pie for breakfast. You stick with that diet plan. You look like a million bucks. Have you eaten or a all million the pie? whatever currency? Because my my experience is you stop eating pie when the pie is gone. That's but, precisely what's going to happen. But yes. not until. Yeah, there. I think are there are about two slices of cake left. It's the, half pie, half cake. The day I throw out an edible piece of pie, homemade pie, store bought pie, I can throw out. Mm-hmm. But the day I throw out a piece of edible homemade pie, no, ain't gonna happen. A friend slash vendor of mine uh, gave us an enormous cheesecake. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> roughly the last thing we need. Like how, uh, it was a nice gesture, though. He's a size of a guy. toilet seat. Uh, yes. Wow. Yeah, it was enormous. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a pumpkin cheesecake. It was really good, oh, too. Oh, boy. It probably had 20 slices. It might have been more. It was so huge. But anyway, so we went to friends last night. They cooked up some turkey tetrazzini and turkey soup, really making use of the leftovers. Mm. Me, anything beyond a turkey sandwich is unimaginable. It's one of my favorite things in the world. But anyway, uh, so we go over there. We bring the giant cheesecake and after, you know, the eating and the drinking and the stuff, we just say, well, we got to go zoom, boom, zoom. We got out the door before they could say, hey, take your cheesecake. So we got rid oh, of it. Yes. Good one. Yeah, had to. Had to. I definitely ate less this Thanksgiving season than any year of my life. But uh, my life circumstances are odd right now. But, you know, now that I'm on the other side of it, it's a plus. Oh, yeah. During it, it was not. But Oh, I got a hell of a lot of work to do to undo the damage I've already done. Yeah. Not to mention all the cocktail this and dinner that and party this and, and Christmas and my wife's birthday and all. Oh, yes, pray Michael. for me, friends. Pray for me. Yes, Michael. Uh, the cheesecake, it made the news. Here, here's a clip. Sounds like from your experience, you can see someone actually walking away with a cheesecake there after the cheesecake factory was looted. Unclear where they may have gotten that. Yeah. Oh, uh, I have an idea. <laughs> I have an idea where they got that. We'll finish strong next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We didn't even mention it. The president gave his speech about Omicron, the new Delta, the new coronavirus variant. He had nothing to say that's of any interest to anybody. It's, Our dotard president. And Glad bad it kept care. It's for the crowd that gives a crap what the government says about these things. And if yeah. you don't like me, then you didn't miss anything. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out when we figure it out. Live your life. Uh, so uh, just a little more. I, I found this essay on the whole question of uh, Thanksgiving being a tragedy and the white man stole the Indian's land, blah, blah, blah. So interesting when you examine, examine the DNA record of the thing and how it may have been Europeans who were here before the, the close relatives of the current Native Americans how'd and they, how irrelevant it is anyway. How would they get here? Those, If that's true, those early Europeans, like the Vikings? Mm, yeah, could have been, I guess. And and plus, so much of the world was frozen during the Ice Age that yeah. you'd have tribes just you know keep going in one direction until they find something that's not ice. But I don't know precisely. But anyway, it's it's irrelevant. But I thought this is a really good point because you hear this this stuff a lot. And I'm not trying to excuse uh, a lot of the things. That genocide? Done. You're not trying to excuse genocide, Joe? Well, for example, right. Yeah, I'm not. Um, anybody's genocide. But 
Um, this uh, Sam Rand points out, so what happened to these older primitive societies who were clearly present in North and Central America before modern Native Americans? They no doubt had what they considered their land to hunt and forage. Who stole it from them and wiped them out? It's not a simple question because there are so many holes in our knowledge of early North Americans. There have been, There may have been tribal conflicts and there may have been tribal marriages. The DNA record is silent about land claims, but is that really the point anyway? What happened to Native Americans when European settlers arrived was as tragic as what happened to the Celtic people when the Slavs and Huns invaded Celtic lands just 800 years before the arrival of North America in North America of Columbus. 800 years before that. If anything, the Huns were even more brutal than Europeans were to native North and South Americans. They also massacred entire villages. They also brought disease and pestilence. To try to single out what happened to Native Americans as somehow uniquely brutal or unusually evil is ludicrous on its face. Yeah. It doesn't make what happened to Native Americans morally right to point out that the entire history of human civilization is replete with examples of deadly contact between civilizations. Uh, but it explains it in a way that needs to be understood by everyone, right, left, white, and Native American. Uh, and these conflicts have been part of the march of human progress for tens of thousands of years. Native Americans may mourn their lost lands and be enraged by the killing of so many other people, but for them to ignore the benefits of contact with Europeans is to ignore reality. There has never been an equal two-way exchange when civilizations clashed. White Europeans won out because, as author Jared Diamond pointed out, they had guns, germs, and steel, and Native peoples did not. This does not make white society better, only stronger. And then he goes into Jean-Jacques Rousseau, the 18th century, uh, century philosopher, who pitched this idea of Native Americans as noble I was, savages. I almost brought that up last segment. I thought that's what's driving a lot of this, is that whole noble savage thing, mm-hmm. is that you know people left, left on their own, our natural state of being is just free and fair and nonviolent and sharing everything. Yeah, yeah. And, no, yeah, it's not. Rousseau, who is incredibly popular... Um, saw Native Americans as noble savages. It's a racist view, but it's still quite popular, especially on the left. He believed the original man was free from sin, appetite, or the concept of right and wrong, and that those deemed savages were not brutal but noble. In fact, Native Americans before Columbus lived short, brutal lives, just like white people in Europe did. They could be just as devious as any white European. They could lie like Europeans. They could kill, just like white Europeans. Native Americans didn't need white Europeans to teach them how to do those things. Yeah, how how racist is it to say um, Indian, Native American, whatever you want to call the people, don't have human nature like the rest of us? Yeah, I have one more thought that's really interesting and is a shot at Americans, uh, but I'll save it for my final thought. I don't want the show to be over, but I am ready. Woo! To listen to the final thought from Armstrong and Getty. Yeah! Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Final thought from everybody on the crew, Technical Director Michelangelo. Michael? Yeah, with so many schools today being closed for Cyber Monday... Drive safe. Watch out for the kids out there. Let's keep the holidays safe. All right. Uh, Young Alex are behind the scenes. Yeah, I know. It's just ridiculous. Safe driving for Cyber Monday. Young Alex, a final thought for us? I had a great Thanksgiving. I hope everybody and all of our listeners did, too. I wanted to wish a very special 94th birthday to the best play-by-play man I've ever heard, Vin Scully. Here's to you, Vin. 94. Well, Well, anyway, 0-2. Jack, a final thought for us? Yeah, so Disney has released 
all of the Simpsons in China. Well, almost all the Simpsons. They left out the one episode in which the Simpsons are in Tiananmen Square. I don't actually even know that episode, but uh, that episode is left out by Disney so as not to offend their overlords. So anyway, Owen, too. Thanks, Vin. My final thought from that same uh, essay. In American politics today, we don't do nuance. If the argument can't be reduced to 140 characters, it's not made. But as a society, we don't dwell on the past very much, a failing and huge advantage given the Jekyll and Hyde nature of our history. Samuel Johnson, British writer, said uh, in our revolutionary times, why is it we hear the loudest yelps for freedom from the drivers of Negro slaves? Mm. It's a pretty decent point. Jekyll and Hyde, good and bad, powerful, victim, oppressor, it's always changing through history and always has. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. You can get the show. If you missed a chunk of it, grab it via podcast. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. We've got some great A&G swag your friends and family members who like the show would really enjoy. We recommend you order it as quickly as possible so it gets there in time for Christmas. Armstrongandgetty.com. Average American's going to gain eight pounds during the holiday season. Get to work. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. L-I-G-B. Chewing in and I suffered to pressure. Thank you, sir. Your time has expired. <laughs> I have to laugh at that. <laughs> People are singing these odd high voices, you know, like... I've refused to get the vaccine till there's equity. What is that voice? I just... uh, what voice? <laughs> I was, uh, thank you for calling. Am have I? a weary, weary Christmas. <laughs> we might. I'm Joe Biden, and I forgot this message. Thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.